What's up, Florida State sports fans? Kurt Weiler here with Carter Carls, Florida State beat writers for the Tallahassee Democrat. Back with another episode of the Null Sports Podcast, talking spring football. We've seen uh, four practices. We'll see 11 more, but right now this week, the team on spring break, no practices between last Friday and next Tuesday. I guess, uh, Carter, first off, I mean, how, how, how are you doing, man? How has kind of your, your introduction to the Florida State football world been with the first four practices? Hey, it's just great to see four practices, right? I mean, uh, not a lot of not a lot of uh, places uh, give you that kind of access, so that was pretty cool to to see four full practices. Now we always saw two padded practices, um, and so we it's not like we got to see you know a comprehensive look at the team so far, uh, but we've gotten enough of a sample size where you know there, there's enough takeaways and. It's been cool to see, mainly for me, just some of the newcomers, uh, 13 freshmen early enrolled, and, and 10 transfers uh, really made this kind of a full roster for the spring. So um, been kind of cool to see that, and you're starting to see guys pop, uh, Jared Verse, Tatum Bethune, uh, kind of the likely candidates to pop have, have certainly uh, looked the part. Um, and, and certainly a few freshmen have stood out as well. So, uh, yeah, it's been good to see. No doubt. The, the two padded practices, it, 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 there are some things that are unfortunate about the rainy days where kind of the whole practice has to be inside. Photos aren't as good to take in there. There's kind of a less of an area for us to kind of like set up our stuff. And, and we have kind of the bird's eye view from the baseball stadium when they're outside on the non-rainy days. But both those padded practices being on rainy days, the one perk is it lets you really see up close. It lets you hear more. We got really a up-close look at those first couple padded practices, a lot of up-close looks at the uh, the uh, guys in the trenches. I mean, one thing I'll say, I understand some people's hesitancy. People have heard things to of, of kind of this – they've heard things of this vein before. But it's especially even more true this year. There is still room to grow. I am by no means saying that this team looks like the the best teams in college football do in terms of just like physical appearance. But there's no doubt you are seeing the strides in terms of just the physicality and then the what you're looking for from football players at this level. They're far closer this year. You see the work that uh, Josh Storms and his strength and conditioning staff have done in the in the tour of duty i mean they've uh you're seeing the progress which is obviously encouraging because there was definitely a a few years there before mike norvell got here where you weren't seeing the progress and even early in mike norvell's tenure mainly just because i mean a lot of that first off season was apart because of the coronavirus pandemic yeah you know i i was talking with a a couple uh reporters on the beat and uh you know one thing that that we were talking about and obviously i wasn't here but they were saying you know in the past uh you'd you'd be watching you know a big part of these practices are one-on-one drills you know wide receivers going up against dps uh you know offensive linemen defensive linemen that that's really the 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 most valuable part and they said that you know in, in previous years you'd see the wide receivers go up against the the dbs and they would almost never win, and and those are drills that are heavily favoring the the wide receivers. So we're starting to see, you know, positions groups like that take a leap forward. Um, now again, uh, 
it, it was almost there was no way but forward for position groups like that. So obviously uh, uh, that needed to happen. But um, yeah, it's good to see. You know, you're you're seeing a team that um, doesn't seem to be taking a step back, which uh, obviously um, is is could have been the fear with uh, this program. So. Yeah, um, and then obviously seeing uh, the, the quarterbacks uh, take a step forward this spring, I think, has been another uh, storyline to follow. A.J. Duffy, Tate Rodemaker, uh, and Jordan Travis all seem to be uh, playing better football. And obviously A.J. Duffy, new to the team, uh, not not looking like a freshman so far. So, um, yeah. Well, and Mike Darvell talked about, I mean – they're kind of they're throwing the training wheels on him. They're kind of throwing him into it. And I mean, he's a uh, the nice thing with kind of the state of Florida State's quarterback room is you're not really wondering too much about if he's a guy who you're going to need to rely on to kind of start. You shouldn't think you have that established starter. There's not a really a ton of competition for that role, so it allows you to I mean test AJ and really throw a lot on him without kind of. The, the expectations that need to come right away. And so it's a, I mean, it, it's a good situation in that regard, obviously. We've seen, I mean, back in 2017, we saw kind of how a guy thrown into that too early, like James Blackman, how it can kind of stunt a guy's growth. And he may never become the player he, he could have been just because of how he kind of got stunted in terms of the confidence and all that getting thrown out right away. But you've liked what you've seen. From AJ, there's been some ups, there's been some downs, but you the arm talent. I mean, you definitely see, and I mean, you talked about the receivers. I did. I watched some of those practices last year. I missed a decent share because I took two trips to Indianapolis for the NCAA basketball tournament last year when I was covering the men's basketball team's run to the Sweet Sixteen. But I watched enough to see. I mean, there were some brutal, brutal practices last spring, just in terms of that that receiver talent. I would say. I mean. Obviously, they added Andrew Parchment over the summer, and and or they added him in December, but he couldn't get there until the, over the summer, rather. But I mean, still that that receiver group, and we saw last year how how lacking it was. Still, no four hundred yard receiver, and it, I mean, it, yeah, it it it, it 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 is a much more fun to watch practice from that setting in terms of receivers are putting up more of a challenge. And I mean, as we saw last year, and as we know with how many guys they're bringing back, the DB room I think we think is pretty good. FSU's DB room is pretty good, and receivers have held their own. I mean, Johnny Wilson has definitely looked the part. Uh, Micah Pittman has made some really nice plays, and I think you've even seen uh, some of those uh, those the guys who maybe haven't establish themselves or some guys who have established themselves are trying to hold on to their spot really rise to the occasion guys like Kentron Pertier guys like Darian Williamson Ontario Wilson's made some plays Keyshawn Helton's made some plays I mean those guys are far from assured of the spots they had last year with with when I mean they added four new receivers this offseason obviously uh uh, Winston Wright had been limited and unfortunately uh the with Knowles 247 reporting the other day that uh it seems he's going to be out for even a little while longer after he was in a car accident back home in Savannah over spring break. Really uh, unfortunate for him, unfortunate for FSU. You, you wish him the best, but even without him, who was kind of the most had the most production at his prior stop, you still feel far better about the state of that receiver room. And I think it, that does wonders for the quarterback. I think you see a newfound confidence in Jordan Travis knowing the guys he has to work with this spring. 
Yeah, I, th- I think with the wide receiver room, they always talk about, like, uh, the, the yeah, but, right? Like, so the, yeah, they're much improved, but I still have doubts about them. And, and I think really the big thing with them is I've seen so many guys pop at certain times. You know, we've seen, like you mentioned, Ontario Wilson have a couple big moments. In the last practice we saw, Micah Pittman had a diving catch that was really the p- catch of the practice that made Mike Norvell – uh, go crazy, and uh, you saw him make a, a, a catch in the end zone. That was really nice. Um, you've seen these moments, but you haven't seen one guy just kind of dominate an entire practice from start to finish. Or you haven't seen a guy consistently show up from one-on-one drills to seven-on-seven to scrimmage. Um, we haven't seen that yet, and whether that'll happen, um, we'll see. And now again, a lot of these transfers, they're still kind of getting their feet under them so certainly a guy like Micah Pittman uh Winston Wright if he ends up being healthy uh Johnny Wilson right uh those guys can can certainly uh uh get there but right now that's kind of what I'm looking for we've seen these guys show up we've seen it look better uh but uh at the end of the day you still for this offense to take that next step I think you still need to have that guy that can keep a defense honest, a guy that, you know, you, you, you've got to put two defenders on, or you can stretch a defense. He can make the big play or be the red zone threat. Um, I think we saw that the, the first couple practice practices in Johnny Wilson, uh, six foot seven, two thirty five. Uh, he just looks different than, than any other receiver on the roster. Um, and excited to see what he might be able to do uh, in the red zone. Uh, I think that's where he'll be uh, most effective uh, with that frame. And then you see a guy like Micah Pittman uh, out of the slot, Uh, certainly someone uh, who could uh, make a lot of plays down the field. Uh, But, again, yeah, I think that's that's a big storyline for me. It's it's improved, but still still a long ways to go before – this offense can take a, a big step uh, in the right direction. But that's why I would say it's important that they're here in the spring, that they have this spring to kind of get things under them and hopefully be able to hit the ground running better in the in the fall. Because, yeah, I mean, if you add a bunch of people over the summer, you still feel better about it, but you don't get them. They're not able to really practice with the team until the fall. I think these 15 practices are big for them. I mean, to hear Cam McDonald say it about Johnny Wilson, is it, it, he was kind of like, I mean, it was a funny quote, something to the effect of like, Receivers are a dime a dozen, but receivers like him are not a dime a dozen. I mean, he is tight end size, and I'm not saying he is the fastest guy in that room, but for his frame, he he's pretty impressive how he uh, how he how he moves. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about the the QB some. I mean, Jordan Travis has looked how you want Jordan Travis to look. He's been, I would say, the most consistent of the three quarterbacks, which would be your hope and your expectation. You're seeing a lot of touch on the downfield passes, which has been something he's uh, he struggled with at time. I think you're seeing a guy who's doing better at reading progressions and 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 looking defenders off and situations like that. You're seeing, I mean, the 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 talk has long been if he continues to grow at the rate he has through his first couple of years, that it would be interesting to see what his future could hold. And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to overreact. The big thing for me, really, beyond any skill talent stuff, is he's got to prove he can stay healthy. He hasn't played, I mean, in both of his seasons so far, he's missed time with injuries. And some of that's a hazard of of how he plays. But 
he has gotten better at avoiding contact and trying to limit that as much as possible. But, I mean, the talent's definitely uh, there. It seems like he's uh, has the chance to take another step forward, and obviously all the talent around him will uh, will help with that as well. Yeah, with Jordan, it, it's, it's hard to evaluate him fully just with not being able to see him do really what's maybe the best part of his game, which is, you know, running, running with the football, uh, running around the pocket, making plays. Um, we haven't been able to see that too much yet, but I think the most encouraging sign has been what he's been able to show on his deep ball. Like you said, the, the touch on those passes, I think, has been what's impressive. The decision-making as well it doesn't seem to be making a lot of uh, bad decisions. I don't know if he's thrown a pick so far uh, this, this spring. I might be wrong. The, the, do you if think he has, I feel like it wasn't his fault. Like a like hit someone in the hands tipped up maybe, but like there hasn't been like a like, oh no, what are you doing, Jordan type throw, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is encouraging. I mean Duffy and Rodemaker have both had at least probably three or four. So um I mean, yeah, it's it definitely um the most consistent out of that bunch. Not really a quarterback battle there, but um yeah, that's what you like to see. And he also looks a little bit faster too. When I remember that first day he took off and, and Everyone watching was like, whoa, this guy, uh, for him to be one of the fastest members of the team and look even a little bit faster than he did last year, I think, uh, is something to, uh, to, to look forward to for next year. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we talked about the receivers, and I'll be honest, I, I, I'm not entirely surprised by the receivers because I, I hoped coming into spring, you would hope that if you add that much ex- experience and that much from the transfer portal – that it makes a difference, but I don't know, I guess for you, it's a, I don't know your expectations coming into the spring, but is there a group that's maybe a surprised you or changed your expectations relative to what you thought coming into the spring through four practices? Yeah. Um, there isn't anything that's like too crazy, but if I had to pick one, uh, maybe cornerback, um, I knew, I know it was, it was, um, defensive back was kind of like a, a, going to be a strong position uh, with strong position with all the guys uh, coming back from from last season but I think big picture if you kind of look at like what Florida State is trying to accomplish right they're they're trying to rebuild they've added all these transfers over the last three years um, they've had to turn over a roster uh, pretty much completely and you would think the one position that would suffer would be cornerback because it's just such a hard position to find like like Cam McDonald said wide receivers a dime a dozen it's kind of weird that um it's been hard for them to find a lot of great receivers but they've found some serviceable cornerbacks at least from what it looks like on this roster um you know one guy that's really popped has been the true freshman Azaria Thomas uh, Renardo Green has certainly uh, had a pretty good spring uh, camp so far. And then there, there's a lot of uh, intriguing DBs as well. Um, Greedy Vance, he really struggled the first couple practices, but is starting to you know make some plays. There was a one-on-one setting where uh, he had two picks, which um, one-on-one setting, that, that's that's dang near impossible because you're, you're on a complete island there. So uh, that was pretty impressive. But... Um, yeah, really just looking at the, the roster, you would think cornerback would be the, the big struggle, but just seems like they've got a lot of options there. I'm not saying they've got any guys that are 
particularly elite or anything like that, but just to have a lot of options, a lot of guys that um, can can make you, maybe make you a little bit more versatile defensively. You know, you, you have that extra nickel. Maybe you can have a dime package, things like that. It just makes your defense a lot better. Uh, it, it remains to be seen. We'll see what the future holds. I think the closest to that elite guy they may have is Duke Cooper, Omarion Cooper. Had I mean, he had a really strong finish to his uh, his freshman season. I know he had a pick against Miami and, and just played really strong, kind of established himself as that starting cornerback opposite Jarvis Brownlee down the stretch of last season, and he's really built on it. He hasn't had the, the flashy play. I don't know if he's had an interception, but he's just, I mean, they matched him up against Malik McClain, a lot, and that's, I mean, that's a tough matchup just size-wise and all that, and he's more than held his own. He's kind of Mr. PBU, where he's just always there for a pass breakup. I know he had a really impressive, one of those pass breakups in 11-on-11 work. I think, actually, maybe the, you speaking of Jordan Travis interceptions, the one that was thrown, he, without turning around, read the receiver's eyes, got his hand up, popped it up in the air, and it was intercepted by Akeem Dent. He's just, his, uh, his coverage skills, his ball skills, he, uh, Looks like he he has really impressed me. I mean, he is a. I feel per- decently good about him being one of those starters at this point. I mean, carrying and picking up where he left off in a last season. Um, but yeah, they they do have a lot of options there, and it's a, it's it's a good it's a good spot to be in for sure. The group that surprised me. I mean, not even. I'm looking at the running backs. Just I mean, you lose a guy like J. J- Sean Corbin, and obviously no one can fault him for going he's been in college for four years two at A&M two here at FSU and and the the shelf life of running backs being what they are I think it makes sense for him to go I wonder what impact that would have on FSU's room I mean obviously Treshawn Ward was a uh, first for a new scholarship player last year who kind of made that instant impact Lawrence Toafili had a really strong fresh true freshman season in 2020 didn't really build on that battled some injuries they added a guy like Trey Benson who you see the potential, but you also knew he was coming off a knee injury, didn't know what you were getting. Were you getting anything more from DJ Williams in his second year after transfer from Auburn? I, I I wondered even more really than last year, and it was a bit of a question entering last year, if they kind of have that number one back. And I feel much better about that room after watching four practices. I mean, Treshawn Ward has kind of been a big play machine. Lawrence Toafili kind of looks like himself again. Trey Benson I've been really impressed by. I mean, he he hasn't... They've been smart in kind of how they've limited him coming off that. They don't want to throw too much onto him at once. But what he's shown, has uh, he, he, he's smooth. He runs well. I mean, there don't seem to be any lingering effects from that uh, that injury. I mean, even a guy like C.J. Campbell, a walk-on, has impressed me. I know Mike Novell said the other day, and it's not the kind of thing he would say unless there were at least some truth to it, is that he said he could see him going the uh, – the Treshawn Ward path, if he keeps it up, and maybe eventually being on scholarship. He's uh, made quite a few plays himself, and so uh, I feel far better about that group. I mean, there's still plenty of things they need to show me, and I still am interested to see how that translates in, uh, in more padded practices in the uh, the spring game, more settings like that. The uh, scrimmages, obviously, the pre-spring game scrimmages are the, the two things we won't be able to watch this spring. We get to watch everything else. But I'm interested to see. But that group has uh, been better than I thought through uh, through four practice. I am less worried about it. Not that I was extremely worried, but I'm, I am less worried about them now than I was. Yeah, you've certainly seen a lot of people 
flash from that group, and it makes you wonder if they'll go more a committee route this year. I know Trayshawn Ward is kind of the guy, but when you have Lawrence Tofili, you got uh, Trey Benson, and some of these other guys, you just wonder if, if there will be more of a rotation there. There normally um, is. And, and, yeah, it normally is. It was a little bit last year. I mean, Ward certainly uh, got quite a few carries behind Corbin. But um, I think when you look at this offensive line that they'll be running behind, too, uh, this could be one of their better offensive lines in, in recent years. I, I think that's another thing that's kind of popped out. It's a low bar, practice. sir. What'd you say? It's a low bar. Low but, bar but I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, but but yeah, just being mediocre. I think I wrote this in, in my my football takeaway store. Just being mediocre is a big step up for them. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, when you return four starters, you add two guys uh, through the transfer portal and Caden Lyles, Bless Harris, two guys who I think have have impressed most people uh, so far uh, this spring. Um, and then Lloyd Willis has certainly uh, you know uh, turned some heads this spring too. So. Um, there just seems to be a lot more guys to work with there. It's not like you're you, you got th- uh, just two or three guys and you're patching up the rest of the offensive line. If one guy goes down this season, they're going to have another to to fill his place. Uh, and, and they get some uh, versatility as well with Darius Washington. He can play multiple positions, and and that just makes it. Uh, easier for you when you're trying to put together your best starting five. Uh, so again, it, it's one of the weakest position groups that that they've had uh, really in the last five or so years. And um, having at least a mediocre group there would would be not just huge for the running back group, but for J- Jordan Travis's development. Uh, you're 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 dead on. I mean. It- Average is not the goal in terms of offensive line play, but I think FSU's offensive line has the chance to be average, to be middle of the road nationally in terms of sacks allowed, in terms of average yards per rush, kind of stats that would measure those kind of things, and obviously more advanced stats as well. But that would be, I mean, considering the group that Alex Atkins inherited, considering the kind of carousel of offensive line coaches they had from the end of uh, Jimbo Fisher's time till Alex Atkins took over. Uh, yeah, it would be a huge step, but I think average is quite feasible for this group. I think it is it is a realistic possibility. It's a tribute to Alex Atkins. I mean, obviously he's got the offensive coordinator duties this year too, but that hasn't changed. I mean, on the practice field, he's still primarily working with his unit during uh, – during during drills, during practice, I mean, obviously he has more duties in terms of off-the-field stuff, but that is his unit. I think the continuity there has been huge. And, I mean, a guy like Darius Washington, who's been versatile and is, uh, is working at guard some now after being predominantly a tackle, but really playing everywhere, kind of just filling in wherever needed and seeing how it shakes out with him. Uh, Caden Lyles has impressed me. And that's not a surprise. I expected him to come in and have a big role. But I, I, I Maurice Smith is also, I mean, kind of, I think, showing, like, he's not going to just give up the job without a fight. Because, obviously, Caden Lyles is probably coming for his center spot. And, and that could be an interesting battle going forward. And it would be interesting to see how it shakes out. Bless Harris has a uh, – you never really know how those FCS to FBS transfers go. Some guys are able to make that jump. 
I, I, we'll talk about Jared Verse in a bit. I mean, he's a guy I think we're seeing make that jump and, and would expect to handle it better. I think Bless Harris is a little more of a wild card, but he has a he has definitely a shown that I think he belongs and he can play at this level. That depth will be big for them. I mean, injuries happen everywhere. Injuries, especially, it seems like happen on the offensive line. There's just something about the, just the the position. I mean, especially at Florida State lately. I mean, you look at last year, just they couldn't. Yeah. I mean, the last few years really, they've struggled just with injury luck to keep kind of the same starting group to get that continuity that can really help things. You'd obviously they would love to have that continuity this year. But if they can't have it again, you feel better about the 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth guys they're trotting out now compared to the last few years. I mean, that depth is far better and only getting better, obviously, with the group of freshmen that uh, Alex Atkins just signed as well. Not that I expect really any of them, I wouldn't think, to contribute right away. The closest would probably be Julian Armella, and unfortunately he's not here in the spring. He's not, getting, he's not enrolling until the summer. It'd be interesting to see, I mean, how that group continues developing should Alex Atkins stick around. I mean, I don't know. Giving him that offensive coordinator promotion, I think, is huge to keep Alex Atkins longer. But, I, I mean, the, I, like a lot of guys, he has head coach aspirations. It will be interesting to see uh, how the future shakes out there. But for now, I mean, if you're a Florida State fan, you just got to appreciate what he's done with that unit that was, I mean, a couple of years before he arrived, one of the worst in the country. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious how he'll he'll be as an offensive coordinator. Just the responsibility of being an O-line coach and an offensive coordinator, those are like two full-time jobs, right? And he's spending quite a bit of time with the offensive line, so I'm I'm wondering kind of, uh, yeah, Kurt, what what do you think uh, about his ability to kind of juggle both roles? Do you think he's kind of made for that? And, uh, I mean, obviously he's he's had experience doing that before, Charlotte, Tulane, but um, what are kind of your impressions about how you think he'll do in that role? Well, I, I know that. I mean, he, he talked pretty candidly when we talked to him when he got the job. I mean, you said, talked about how he did it before, and it's not especially common. I mean, I, I kind of, in the wake of his press conference, wrote a story about, I mean, A, there aren't a ton of uh, offensive line coaches who are also offensive coordinator, B, the the there aren't nearly as many probably black offensive coordinators as there should be. He is kind of a uh, trendsetter in both ways. I, I I think it'll be interesting to see this year. I will say, obviously, Mike Norvell, even the first couple of years, heavily involved in the offense, heavily involved in the play calling. But I think his relationship with Kenny Dillingham allowed him to trust Kenny Dillingham a little more in terms of giving him more responsibilities from up in the box. Um and him kind of be able to take the kind of larger the the more zoomed out broader role I think he's gonna at least to start Mike Norvell's gonna have a, a bigger role going forward Alex Atkins kind of talked about this is still his offense I will help offer input but I'm going to uh kind of be more that my offensive coordinator role will be more coordinating the offense leading up to the games um uh, it'd be interesting. I mean, the big thing is, I feel like especially when you have offensive-minded coaches, you often see offensive coordinators up in the up in the booth calling plays from above. Alex Atkins is going to be on the sideline because obviously for, for an offensive line coach, maybe more than any other position, it's pretty important to have that guy on the sideline talking to his players, able to kind of see them face-to-face instead of talking to them on a headset. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I I, I have confidence in him in, in that, I mean... 
you talk to him and he's a very impressive guy to talk to. And, I mean, he's had success in pretty much everything he's been asked to do here, rebuilding a bad room, kind of building that cohesiveness, really leading the recruiting charge on that front. I mean, revamping the room there through recruiting. I have no reason not to uh, not to kind of have faith in him just because of all that. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, it is a, 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 a new step for him and could be a big step forward for him in the future. Yeah, it helps a lot having a, a head coach like Mike Norvell, who's going to be heavily involved in the offense. That was the only question I had, is just juggling both of those roles. Because, you, yeah, you really don't see that often. It's usually you know, a quarterback's coach is also the offensive coordinator, that kind of thing, because that that really aligns with, you know, the whole offense. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see for sure. Yeah, uh, let's uh, – I mean, we, we've talked offensive line. Let's let's talk some defensive line. I mean, obviously, uh, Jared Verse has uh, has been the guy that, that so many people care about. And, and he uh, – I, I, Mike Norvell, I think, was right coming into the spring to talk about – setting proper expectations of to say, I mean, yes, he was the premier number one defensive end in the transfer portal that almost every school wanted. Yes, he, he, there are expectations upon him, but you can't, the expectations can't be what Florida State just had in Jermaine Johnson because he played one and a half years of football at the FCS level. I, I will say, I mean, he's coming off, I would say his fourth practice was the best I saw from him. I mean, you can only get so much from trench play when the pads aren't even on. But the last two, I mean, he had multiple sacks, definitely uh, looked real smooth, looked fast. I mean, there was one rep in particular where he uh, blew right by Robert Scott, who was a starting tackle for FSU last year. And it was uh, impressive to see. I, he, You're seeing the uh, the comfort grow, and, and you're seeing why he was so uh, – so sought after. He he may not be Jermaine Johnson. I mean, he may not be the ACC Defensive Player of the Year in his first year, but you you're seeing a guy who who definitely looks like he's going to be a starter and a very important contributing player on that defensive line. Yeah, lots of expectations for that guy. And again, I it's hard to take too much stock with just too bad at practices. I mean, and, and a lot of times one on ones, offensive line, defensive line. Uh, in spring settings, th- there are so f- few of them that it- it's hard to to, to really get a-, a big sample size. But he's made enough plays, and he certainly looks the part. I mean, just looks bigger than um, a lot of the other guys out there, moves faster than a lot of the other guys out there. So um, y- you like what you see. Um, I think the guy that's maybe stood out to me the most uh, among the defensive transfers might be Tatum Bethune. Um, and, and that's not a surprise either, right? He, he was really successful at UCF, getting over 100 tackles last year, but being a second-team all-conference player, that's someone who we knew was, was going to make an impact. But, you know, that was a linebacker room that, that didn't really need to add another guy in there, but when you had someone like that available, you know, why not? And so now, you know, Lamar Gaynor and Kalen DeLoach and – DJ Lundy and now having Bethune I mean just it makes that linebacker room uh maybe the strongest on on the whole defense uh so um I th- I think you you kind of like what you see you you lost your last player or you you lost your best player last year but you brought 
basically everyone else back and you basically brought uh, a couple other guys in there who are going to make a big impact so I think when you look at the defense you know holistically you have to kind of feel good about where they're at Uh, it's really the offense that you kind of wonder okay this offensive line like how good are they going to be the wide receivers is there going to be a number one guy running back what's that going to look like but defense I think is like the one thing where every position group has kind of flashed every position group's had a couple players that have been really impressive uh so i think the defense you don't have to worry as much about uh compared to the offense i agree i mean i think the the pass rush like we talked about with with losing jermaine johnson the pass rush may not be quite what it was last year losing jermaine johnson losing Keir thomas but i think the defense as a whole top to bottom will be better because i mean like we talked about I feel I feel those starting linebackers. I mean, they used a lot of two linebacker sets last year. I think you feel really good about a starting linebacker group if they were two out there of Tatum Bethune, a guy with his experience and his production and his just natural abilities. I mean, he is a very instinctive linebacker and and a thumper too. I mean, can come up and and deliver some hits and and a sure tackler with Kalen Deloach, who really had a breakout. 2021 season and especially late last season you really saw how much he had played helping him grow I mean that you want to talk about that that safety he had against Boston College where he just identified the play right away and just like could see where it was going and saw it faster than anyone else and went and made a play you saw that a lot more down the stretch last season I think you feel good about that and honestly you feel good about some of your depth pieces with Amari Gaynor and a guy who's played that much with DJ Lundy, who I know has slimmed a little bit, and, and it'll be interesting to see if he's uh, maybe a bit more capable in coverage because that's always kind of been the uh, the the knock on him. And, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting group to be sure. I've been really impressed too. I mean, the defensive line, how much they play this year, I don't know because, I mean, when Florida State returns Fabian Lovett and Robert Cooper defensive tackle – I mean, those guys are going to play a lot. And obviously, guys like Malcolm Ray, guys like Jared Jackson, who played last year, are going to keep playing. So I'm not sure they break through a ton this year. But I've been really impressed by, A, both the true freshman defensive tackles. Bishop Thomas and Daniel Lyons have both made quite a few plays. And Josh Farmer. I mean, he's a, a, a local kid. He finished his high school career nearby Gadsden County. And he projected as a defensive tackle, but the talk with him was always, well, he's, pro- he's a defensive tackle. It's going to take some time to get there because when he signed, he was 250 pounds. He's put on 50 pounds already in about a year. He's 300 pounds and has kind of maintained his speed despite adding that weight. And he's, uh, he, he's been pretty impressive as well. I mean, they, those are three defensive tackles who, even when you lose Fabian and Robert Cooper probably after this year, you feel good about the future of the position with those guys. They've been hitting on the defensive tackles at a pretty high rate, it would seem. Man, Kurt, I wish I could gain 50 pounds and maintain my speed. That's that's That hasn't happened since I uh, started college, so <laughs> <laughs> just thought I'd mention that. But, just the 50 um, pounds. No, no, the speed, not quite the same. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and... and you mentioned the freshmen. I think those are two guys that, you know, coming out of high school, three-star guys weren't really close to being four-stars, I don't think, uh, on 247, rivals on three. Um, so to see them already make that kind of impact makes you wonder, okay, 
the valuation on those guys might have been pretty solid. Um, and then you're also seeing uh, a lot of contributions from Azariah Thomas, who is someone, when you look at his recruiting process, really fascinating. He, he considered three schools that have kind of had disastrous uh, seasons last year, uh, or at least into the seasons last year. OU, you know, losing Lincoln Riley, LSU, losing Edo, and then uh, Georgia Tech, which has which fired both coordinators, I, I, I believe. So um, he was considering those three schools. He listed them as his top three schools on Twitter last July. Florida State didn't give up. They kept recruiting him. Mike Norvell had an in-home visit with him. And during the early signing period, he decided to sign with Florida State and enroll early and it's a move it's a it's a push florida state had that has seemed to really pay off so far now obviously he was a highly rated guy he was a four-star uh recruit out of high school but he brings a lot when it comes to the cornerback position but also potentially safety uh he has a lot of really good length he's about six two uh long arms um, and he's got exceptional ball skills, too. We've seen him make some plays in the air, uh, get a lot of pass breakups, get two, two interceptions, uh, one on each of the first two days. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I don't know if, if that's someone who will play year one, but uh, to have that guy in your arsenal who you can develop into hopefully, you know, a four-star recruit, that means he's probably going to get drafted uh, day two, day three. That's what the project- projection means. So uh, for Florida State to have a guy like that again uh, at that position would, would be would be massive. Yeah, I mean, it, it, a guy we haven't talked about too that, that definitely warrants mention is, is a guy, Jamie Robinson. I think it's hard to overstate just for the defense as a whole how important it was getting him back. He uh, – was considering uh, the NFL. I mean, he, he's been in college three years. This is kind of the first year he could do that. And he was a first-team All-ACC player. He led the team in interceptions in his first year after transferring from South Carolina and ultimately decided to uh, to, to come back. And, and I mean, that's a, that's a big addition, to have that leader in the back end of the defense, to have the guy who, with that kind of production, with that kind of just all-around athleticism and ability. I mean, he is a guy who... So many guys are going to be able to learn from for another year, and I think that's huge. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think the overarching thing with the defense, like you talked about, I mean, just with how many guys they have, even losing the the pieces they did. I mean, a guy like Emmett Rice, who I know was hurt last year, unfortunately, and what would be his uh his last year at FSU, which is just unfortunate for him after a, a long career. But you lose him, you lose Jermaine. You lose Kier, you lose Miko Dotson. But that's going to be a really solid defense because of how many guys they have. And, I mean, having that full roster in the spring, and obviously they talked a lot about how many, how much they're going to rotate guys in. And, and they're going to have guys who were, who were first-team players last year maybe playing some second, third-team reps just to give other guys a chance. And I, I think having basically a full roster for the spring, and there'll, prob- there'll be some more turnover this summer, I would have to imagine. I'm sure a couple people may leave. If they're, if they're not sure where they kind of stand. They may add a couple people through the portal, and then obviously they'll add a couple more freshmen on campus as well. But I think they're going to have a really good idea of their team by the time this spring and then kind of they get the summer to evaluate wraps up before fall camp rolls around. Yeah, and that's something that 
uh, Mike Norvell hasn't really had in this time at, at Florida State. Obviously, nope. be- beginning with the, the pandemic and uh, you know didn't have as many guys. Uh, uh, this the 23 guys last year, so to have a full roster and to have that idea of what his roster and depth chart looks like by the end of spring is going to be uh, really huge. But, Kurt, when you when you kind of, you know, we've, we kind of talked about uh, both both sides of the ball, all, all, pretty much every position group, but just uh, overall when you look at, like, okay, wh- what would be the biggest things that would hold this team back going forward? We've, we've talked about some of the positives, but what, what do you think are kind of the – either position groups or, or or things that you think you still need to see out of this team uh, this spring and, and going forward? That's a good question. Um, I, I'm with you of that the uh, the receivers have looked good, but that A, I'm not sure they have that number one guy, or at least he hasn't shown himself to be that yet, or B, that they've kind of like, I need to see that in a game setting first. And I'm not even sure the spring game, I read too much into that. I think... That group will be interesting. Um, yeah, uh, defensive end. I mean, who who starts opposite Jared Verse? And the depth beyond that is something that will, I think has to be a uh, has to be proven. I and mean, Dennis Briggs moving back there is great, and I think he's in contention to start. I think a guy like Derek McClendon's in contention to start. But they, they, I feel really good about them at defensive tackle. Beyond the first few at defensive end, I'm not sure the. Uh, the, the same can be said. It'll be interesting to see, I mean, obviously going from Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas to that, how it plays out. Um, the, I mean, as a whole, we talked about, I mean, the roster's starting to look more the part, and I think there are some positions I uh, I worry about depth. I mean, obviously, I talked about Jordan Travis. I think he looks the part, but I worry about, I mean, the the state of the quarterback room if he were to go down. I mean, I do not think they have a great second option. Tate Rodemaker in kind of all his game action so far in his career has not looked ready for the moment and kind of uh, uh, puckered a little bit, maybe you could say. And A.J. Duffy, obviously, is a true freshman. I don't think – I think they desperately want to not trot him out there if they can avoid it. Be interested to see how they address that this summer, if they're able to address that. Quarterback recruiting through the portal is obviously hard because if a quarterback's transferring, he probably wants to start somewhere else, and that's not really the uh, – the case here, but yeah, that would be a, a concern for me is, is if Jordan Travis were to go down, what happens? Yeah, I think, um, we've seen the first three classes, uh, under Mike Norvell be pretty heavily focused on the transfer portal. And we've seen it really generate, uh, some, some great players for them. Mostly, uh, most notably Jermaine Johnson, but I think going forward to get, kind of a, a consistent level of elite guys on your team, you're, you're going to have to start really investing in high school recruiting. And I think that really is the one thing that is that has held back this team under Mike Norvell is you're seeing these classes kind of rank, you know, what, in the 20s and, 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 and really not be at the level that it was, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and I know that's easier said than done, but um, I think when you look at kind of the biggest thing that's holding it back, whether it's wide receiver or offensive line, they just need more elite guys, more four stars, more five stars. You know what I mean? Like they've they've done a great job building 
rebuilding this roster. They've done a good job um, rebuilding the culture on the team. I mean, those two things really, I mean, those can't be left unsaid. Um, I'll say, though, I I think that comes if they have, I mean, their first winning season. Obviously, I mean, what Mark Nervell has done with the results on the field, I mean, obviously the Travis Hunter thing what it was what it was and that wasn't even about Florida State struggles last season like that it wasn't he didn't do that because Florida State struggled he did that because he wanted to be a a trendsetter and he was recruited by Deion Sanders and all that I mean that's kind of his 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 idol uh, uh, uh he I mean could be a guy who is the next Deion Sanders but yeah I think I mean if you see Florida State I think it's it's a bit of a uh the the chicken has to become before the egg thing in that if you see Florida State beat LSU early next season, if you see Florida State get seven or eight wins or even like early in the season just go on a run of wins and get off to a strong start really for the first time in years, you're going to see that pay off in recruiting. I think there are top tier guys who wouldn't would could see themselves playing at Florida State but who aren't going to want to go to a place that's that's having another losing season or even like another 500 season. One thing I will say, though, it it still is Florida State, and you're still in the state of Florida. Yeah. And I, I know that, you know, it, it's it's not as easy to recruit when you're rebuilding a roster and and you've got to add so much in the in the portal and all that those kind of things. I just think that, you know, at the end of the day, you're in maybe the most talented state for high school football. You've got a huge brand. You've won three national championships. There isn't really an excuse to not be consistently getting uh, really good guys uh, on the recruiting trail, and so you know, I, I this I, is a I, this is a topic for another day. We should probably dedicate a whole episode to this at some point after spring over the summer. I'll say I'm not disagreeing with you, but recruiting has become so national. Alabama comes into Florida and gets who they want. Clemson comes into Florida and gets who they want. Georgia comes into Florida and gets who they want. It is not nearly as regional as it used to be, you know? Sure. So, I mean, but yeah, we need to evaluate. I mean, the wins need to come, but if the wins don't come or do come and the recruiting at that type of level, a top 10, if not top five class doesn't follow, it's a conversation that needs to be had for sure. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, this is something that everyone has to deal with is, sure. is how it's national. And and even with those other schools coming into Florida, Florida still has so many good players. I mean, it is ridiculous the amount of guys that you can find in Miami alone. So, um, yeah, certainly you, you do have to give Norvell a little bit of grace. He really did have to pound that transfer portal yeah. early on. I just think that when you look forward, uh, it's more of like, it's not a criticism of what he's done. It's more of like, okay, now as we go forward, Florida State needs to start doing this. If they want to get to that winning caliber uh, of play that that they used to have. so 100% agree. Absolutely. And and, and like you said, winning seven games, winning eight games this year will help tremendously with that. No, I mean it's a. It, we we should dedicate. We'll we'll circle back to this, and we can talk about it on the larger scale. I mean, obviously, you covered recruiting for Notre Dame, which is a 
a, a totally different animal of recruiting in terms of that's, I mean, even more of a national brand and uh, recruits on a, a, a different uh, not a bigger scale, but just a different scale than FSU. I mean, they have a different crop of guys in terms of their academic standards and all. We should circle back and have this and maybe even have someone on to uh, talk with us about this. For now, though, we, uh, we we need to wrap up. We need to go a little short this week. Kind of, kind of get to, uh, we can't get to everything else in the world of FSU sports. We'll, uh, we'll do another one of these probably next week at some point, maybe during the week or after the week, maybe after the first scrimmage. We're not getting to watch that, but... We're going to talk to all the coordinators here, what they kind of have to say on the from the from the first scrimmage. We'll uh, we'll definitely circle back at some point and touch on on everything else. Talk plenty more uh, football as well. Uh, we appreciate you for listening. For uh, if you're a subscriber to the Democrat, we we greatly appreciate that. Uh, follow us on on Twitter. Please uh, reviews down, uh, subscribe to the podcast. All that would be uh, greatly appreciated uh, for. For, my, for me, Kurt Weiler, for, for Cardi Carls, thanks for listening.